Praise the Lord. Billy Ricky, thank you so much for letting us come and share with you today. Uh, we really value our relationship with you, and I'm aware the relationship goes back very many years. I think Henk, back in the years, um, uh, Marlene as well, I think last year Gareth came, and uh, the remnants of the, the relationship going back is very precious to us at LCM. And, and for me to be here today, I feel a bit like Paul on his missionary journey, updating on some of the mission that is happening, and uh, this is very much something that we're partnering in together. So thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your resources. I'm going to uh, read out of Genesis chapter 39 today, where we're going to be looking at the story of Joseph. Genesis chapter 39. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favour in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his brothers of his household and all that he owned. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he is entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her, or even to be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hands and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and he had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran outside the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave that came to us, that you brought us, came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warder. So the warder put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. 
and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warder paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in everything he did. Amen. London City Mission uh, has been around for many years, uh, since about 1835, and our mission has never changed. Uh, We want to reach the least reached, those that are least likely to hear the gospel. And in Tower Hamlets, uh, refugees um, and asylum seekers in local hotels is a ministry that is emerging. There's a greater need, I think, from COVID. The hotels became empty and the government opened up more hotel spaces. And uh, we've been able to work with church groups and them um, within the hotel community um, and those that organise their space uh, to do ministry with them on site and also in churches. Uh, my name is Matt. I'm a, a team leader. Um, I've got about six uh, missionaries in my team, uh, different LCM staff. I mainly focus on reaching Muslims personally. I've been in London since about 2016. And actually in that year, Dennis Peathers uh, was somebody that really encouraged me in mission and Dennis and I did some stuff together we went to New York together we did some training in a church once I remember Uh, so he's a good friend of mine as well and um, yeah I partner with local churches and we train those churches in reaching Muslims about half the community within the hotels will be Muslim and uh, there's extensive opportunity when you think about the role of the local church not just um, in our local borough of Tower Hamlets, but actually internationally, where has God positioned the church for such a time as this? Um, it's really exciting to be working. I'm often found at book tables or going into mosques, um, going door to door with churches, uh, sharing the gospel. And uh, for those as well in hotels, uh, we also recognise the need at that point in their, in their lives, such a dire circumstance, but what an opportunity for them to hear the gospel at that time in their life. Uh, that's happening often. Uh, London needs Jesus. Actually, we used to say about one in three Londoners um, don't have a Christian friend, uh, but we reckon that's an even greater proportion of London now actually don't have any connection with a Christian friend, probably about one in two, or getting on for that kind of figure. So a city of about nine million, uh, that's an amazing number of people. The harvest is plentiful, and we'd love for you to pray for us as we go into our communities throughout London, different boroughs, very hard to reach people, but the gospel is the same message to every single person, and it is the gospel that changes people's hearts. Sharing the gospel with people who have no hope in the world. And yeah, we want to help them with material stuff and social, cl- in, social projects, but it's the gospel within that that changes people's hearts. And there can be language divides. But when you're sharing the gospel, people recognise your hospitality. And the reason for the message is something that they pick up across language divides. Families that are broken, families that have fled through the Sahara Desert. Those that have no uh, family connections or they've lost connections with their family. It's local churches we're working with that you've been able to help us support as we've donated vouchers to them to repair some of their local relationships. Some refugees, they are there for months, um, or those seeking asylum, they've maybe been there for maybe seven, eight months in a hotel, never connected with somebody outside. Whereas we've got Christians working across spectrums of people from a whole range of countries in the world, from Iran to Morocco, Azerbaijan, um, amazing stories. So please pray for this ministry. 
Um, within LCM, we have five specialisms. Uh, diaspora, ministry, uh, children's work, Islam, other religions, homeless and marginalised, and estates and seniors. And this is uh, the team. This is a bit out of date, actually. Uh, we had a team photo just the other day, but uh, you can see Marlene in there. She came uh, last year, I believe. And Salam, uh, next to me on my left, she uh, is a diaspora missionary from Eritrea, uh, been through a similar journey to many of these refugees. And she speaks Amharic, uh, Tigrinya, a whole range of Arabic as well as English, so translation work and also um, medical help, helping communicate health problems that people have is really valuable to have her in the team. Tower Hamlets needs Jesus. That borough specifically, um, over half of the community, the children below the poverty line, um, it's the 10th most deprived borough out of 326 local authorities in the UK. Uh, it's the most dense area of the UK, uh, based on 2021 stats, it's 15,700 people per square kilometre, and about it's the it's the number one place where you find Muslims in London. A massive Bangladeshi diaspora there. Uh, in the summer, uh, what Marlene did is she collected uh, lots of resources from churches. Uh, people came together, volunteers, about seven eight churches involved, and they basically ran a kids park program uh, for about 50 refugee children. And so they, many of these kids have heard the gospel for the first time. It's, they haven't really understood who Jesus really is. And that's really exciting because our role as evangelists is to help people understand Jesus' role and purpose. Keep that central in your mind when you're sharing the gospel. I want to help this person understand the impact of what Jesus has done. If they understand that, it makes a big difference. Um, so that's just one way um, where we've been collecting families together. And as a result of that, adults come together. So for churches, major opportunities for English classes or Bible studies that are translated because the kids have come together. It's actually been able to uh, bring families together as well, sometimes across hotels. And an and amazing thing is just seeing churches now that are populated with Eritreans or they've got people from a whole host of different parts of the world. And a church leader might come to me and say, Matt, I've got a problem now because we've integrated people into our church and they're becoming part of our community, but uh, we don't know what language to preach on a Sunday or to project onto the slides. So they need to start having a range of Bibles people can pick up, you know, Albanian Bibles, uh, those that are from Kurdish backgrounds or Iranians in Farsi. You, do you see the tensions? And the, it's hard to navigate ministry in a crisis management style. Often we like to plan projects, you know, plan a summer outreach program, and this is how it's going to go. But often we're coming across families got no shoes, or, or pregnant women having babies with no aftercare support. So working with churches that have got families, um, people that can help through the NHS, or maybe tap into some resources, um, that can really help. And I think other groups know that it's churches that are helping these families. It's not just people running around looking for finance and you know, other groups looking for PR opportunities, but it's churches that are learning to serve. And so these vouchers, they help in a host of ways. They empower parents. They help uh, families to, to find space to live and just be. And that's really precious. What keeps you going when there is no hope? Uh, though we may not realise it, we can't live without hope. Viktor Frankl uh, was actually a Jewish psychiatrist and he was one of those very fortunate people to survive the Nazi 
uh, death camps during World War II. He wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. Um, as a trained psychiatrist, he was just fascinated why some of the prisoners wasted away and died whilst other prisoners remained strong and they survived. And he concluded, we cannot stay strong if we do not have a hope in the future. He said this, life in a concentration camp exposes your soul's foundation. Only a few of the prisoners were able to keep their inner liberty and inner strength. Life only has meaning in any circumstances if we have a hope that neither suffering circumstances nor death itself can destroy he recognized that our believed in future affects our ability to deal with the present to live and cope with our mortality if we don't have a hope literally we will waste away what is your believed in future literally how is your life being affected by hope and what kind of hope do you have you know we might have a hope that says, oh, I'm going to hope in myself, my identity, my own success, or comforts. But what happens? You underperform, you mess up, or life doesn't go well. It's tempting to have a hope that is based on circumstance, isn't it? Oh, such a great situation we're in. We're in holiday mode. But holidays end. Or maybe your hope is a bit like gambling. I hope so. I hope things will work out. We've just got to be careful the way that we band around some of these words, like hope. What are we really hoping in as Christians? And why is our hope different to that of the world? In Tower Hamlets, among refugees, asylum seekers, those that have been through civil war, Ethiopia, Eritrea. Eritrea is one of the six most difficult places to follow Jesus. Relatives of families here, they might look okay on the outside, but they've experienced severe trauma. Children that may have seen a dead body. Um, And what are they going through? Parents, pregnant mums who've lost their husbands. Or maybe there was some political battle where the government wanted to find their families and their husbands and they had to flee the UK. It's difficult. Some of those stories we haven't seen the end of yet. And those are just the families that make it. There are families that we don't have in the UK because they never made it. They died on the way. Arriving on the doorstep without hope. At least not in the circumstances of this world. And that's one of the ways your vouchers have really helped. Because we've been able to um, help churches find a way of developing relationships and opportunity. um, As we've helped them to develop maybe a food event in their church. Where they're gathering some uh, food and then they're actually cooking at their church. And there's a community of people and they're able to talk about their life experiences. Which leads into disciple making conversations. Somebody from A, uh, sorry, somebody called A uh, arrived in the UK from West Africa. They knew, they knew nobody and they're expecting a baby and they had two other children and they received some of the Sainsbury's vouchers that you guys had raised towards that. Another person, Jay and family, the mum was here on her own with two children and they've recently started attending a kids club. They also received a voucher. Somebody called S also received some Sainsbury's vouchers. Um, speaks very little English, recently arrived from the Middle East, loves coming to Kids Club. Um, Yeah, R and family arrived a few months ago, having fled Azerbaijan, have um, left the family behind and are worried for their safety, have been regularly meeting with LCM and church members. Um, There's another family from Syria, having recently been moved on from another area of London, 
they've been coming to football and kids clubs hearing about how much Jesus loves them for the last seven months. It's just amazing. The stories go on and on. Uh, Iranian family, uh, another pregnant Iranian lady, a Nigerian mum with a 12-year-old and a 6-year-old and a new baby. The mum was distressed and needed clothes for children. Some of these uh, churches have been able to help families in this way but also share the gospel alongside that as well as they've come to their kids clubs as they've provided help for families it's been really special um so families arrive in a state of despair but it's encouraging that churches are helping out of a real heart to serve because as the people of god although these stories are sad we have a strong amazing hope don't we that the end of the story has not happened yet. There is the light of the gospel, and that's where we get our passion and motivation from as we're doing mission, amazing opportunities. Not just giving help, but giving a message of hope that is unbreakable. If we don't have hope, then we don't have... uh, If we don't have hope, or maybe our hope um, draws us to sadness or disillusionment, we might give up if we don't have hope. But when we realise the story we are in, it affects our expectations about who we are and the journey we're on, and it gives us a motivation to keep going. Our hope is unbreakable, not because of us, but because of the one that we hope in. He is unbreakable. God does not change. He's provided Jesus that can make success out of any story. That's true for Joseph as well in the Bible here. Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers here uh, throughout the last chapters of genesis he's a boy that's mistreated by his brothers sold into slavery sent to another land he's forgotten and he's overlooked yet he is central to god's plans we mustn't lose sight of the centrality of god's mission he intends to save people from famine he knows what's coming with egypt but the person through whom he does it how he saves them they suffer it's a picture of jesus isn't it he saves the world but he suffers. That's all like our lives. Our lives need to be transformed if God's going to use us for other people. But Joseph is a clever guy. He has two clever things about him. One is he can interpret dreams. And every time in the Bible it says, you know, Joseph, he says the Lord was with Joseph in verse 2. The Lord was with him. He was that kind of guy. He's rocked and he's messed about, but God is with him. And maybe as a young guy, he had pride in his heart that was the battle between him and his brothers through this joseph doesn't give up but he walks in the fullness of god's mission that he had for him he doesn't give in a hope that doesn't give in verse um verse two it says that joseph prospers and in verse three his master saw that the lord was with him and that he gave him success in everything he did He found favour with Potiphar. Potiphar puts him in charge of his house and everything he owned. From that time he put him in charge, the Lord also blessed the house of Potiphar. So Potiphar left everything he had. Interesting, isn't it, that he's not honoured by his native brothers, but it's other people from another land that that honour Joseph, recognise him, give him opportunities. He, in verse 4, yeah, Um, Potiphar in verse 6 left everything he had but what happens Um, Potiphar's wife comes to him and says come to bed with me 
And he says he won't because it's not sinning against her or Potiphar, but it's sin against God. So somewhere in that story, Joseph has got this perspective of the supremacy of his relationship with God that overrides his local situation. Uh, That's an interesting principle, isn't it? A timeless truth that I think we can take into the 21st century. With an uncertain hope about God, we maybe will doubt the story we're in. Or we might compromise against God's mission. What he has told us to do, we might forget. You know, uh, there's that saying, isn't there? Some people are like thermometers and some people are like thermostats. Those that are like thermometers are kind of affected by the surrounding situation around them. And those that are like thermostats actually control the atmosphere around them. And I think there's something true in that as God's people, that we need to be people that point to a bigger hope. Yes, there are drastically sad situations here in this world. But as the people of God, we can change the temperature when we're talking with our friends about the hope we have. As the people of God, if we walk around moaning all day, who wants to become a Christian? What are you really believing in? So think about your words. And in a sense, um, some of the vouchers that you've helped us to give, and the the children's Bibles as well, uh, that have gone to families, they have helped us be able to give resources to families where we've taken them out of situations where they might be tempted to get money from other places. So when you think about poverty situation, we're actually helping people, enabling people, trying to take them away from other situations at the same time. A hope that doesn't give in. Our eternal hope is better than what we get by compromising short-term benefits, circumstances and opportunities. Access to Pharaoh is granted because of the gifts that God gave to Joseph. And God is our hope, which is bigger than our circumstances. Another thing that hope it inspires us to serve other people. Um, if we have a prideful uh, way of living, then we're not really going to be inspired to serve other people, are we? In uh, verse 12, um, it says that um, Potiphar's wife caught him, Joseph, by the cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak. And what does she do? In a sense, she uses Joseph for her own gain. And we can do that to other people. We can come alongside them and use them or maybe manipulate the situation for our benefit in some way. But Joseph is opposite to that. He wants to serve. Power can distort, can't it? If you have too much power, you can impose it on other people. And we can underestimate what God is doing in other people, especially even in the church. You know, think about uh, young people. We want to empower young people. We don't take power away from young people. They are the next generation. We need to invest in our young people in the next generation and the next generation of the church that is coming, of adults that maybe will become leaders in the church. How can we invest? There's one church in Tower Hamlets on Easter Sunday, they baptized 13 Iranians. About a month ago, I preached in that church. Probably about a third to a half of the congregation are Iranians. And it's a bit like the UN when you sit there and somebody's translating in Farsi and they're all listening on their headsets around the church. It's incredible to see how the, the face of the church is changing. And I think 
There are some churches that will recognize those changes. There are some churches that will almost ignore the changes or they won't embrace those changes and empower their local communities. Or they maybe see these shifts as temporary. But I see this as an exciting picture of what God is doing through the nation, that he's reviving the church. As the church sharing the gospel with people that are least likely to hear it, they, they are hungry for the gospel, and that's changing the face of the church. So what an amazing thing. We need to empower people like that, uh, not, not um, overlooking them. Um, refugees move, and... It's hard to grow a congregation if you've been investing with somebody for a year and then they go to another part of the UK. So churches have to do it selflessly, trusting in God's big picture. Um, in this passage as well, um, we, we see how Potiphar's wife wants to use Joseph and then he says, I cannot do this in sin against God. I'm, I want to serve God ultimately. How can we embrace other people so that they can serve God? even if they don't speak our language or from a very different background and culture. Skipping ahead through the passage in verse, uh, yeah, verse 19, the master, Potiphar, he comes back and he's heard this story. This is how your slave treated me. But while Joseph, uh, and actually it doesn't say that Joseph completely ran away. It says that he ran out of the house. Moses ran way into the wilderness, get away from everything. But there's something in Joseph, I think, that must have had this conviction, I'm here because God has called me, regardless of what people do. And, and it makes me think, there are some Christians that come to the hotels, and it makes me think, you know, what is God speaking to them about? And how does God want to use them? They're not going to run away. But faith like that, through what they've been through, speaks to us and it regenerates the church really speaks to us about real living faith in a god that's way bigger than our circumstances um it's probably about 20 years between the pit and the palace when joseph's in the pit and in that dark place it says what does it say joseph's master took him and he put him in prison verse 20 the place where the king's prisoners were confined but when Joseph was there in the prison, there's that phrase again, the Lord was with him, showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warder. So the warder put Joseph in charge of all of those held in the prison. You see that mirroring again of service. If I went to prison, if I was in a, a camp, I would probably just give up. But there in that dark place, he learns to serve. And there's some amazing stories I could tell you afterwards of refugees and actually they... Uh, there's some of them that get involved in a local church for a while. There's, there's Iranians that will get involved in street pastors. It's not, it's not the church, do you? It's those that have arrived in the UK in the last couple of years. They're out there helping others Saturday nights. It kind of puts parts of the church to shame. You know, it's an amazing thing that God does, that conviction to serve, that God gives other people. And the world doesn't have this kind of hope that can transform lives and help people to realize how useful they are in the kingdom. There is another kingdom coming. The world doesn't have the answers. The people of God, rather than give up, even in dark places, for Joseph in the prison, he finds a way to serve. When you think, this is it, I'm at home alone, or you're ill, or you're in retirement. You know, God has got a plan, and he can use us all. Let's also be content with our story where we are. 
And where does Joseph go on to next in the story? He goes on to interpret for Pharaoh. In a sense, if that bad story didn't happen and he wasn't in the prison, he wouldn't have had that opportunity to have the interaction with the baker and the cupbearer so that he could have been remembered in Pharaoh's court. So some of that rejection, temporary, actually turned out amazing. God had this plan, and for years, Joseph's got to trust him. It's overshadowed by God's big plan. Let us reimagine our community. Let us reimagine the lives and the brokenness of the people around us. It is Jesus who is our hope. Joseph is a citizen of another place, another country, but he's there helping that country in famine time. And Jesus is of another place, isn't he? And if we're part of Jesus' family, we're part of the children of God, we are also on a mission ourselves to bring his eternal hope to this temporary Egypt. That emerging hope, I think, you see in Revelation. I think it's Revelation 21. You see a a beautiful picture of the throne of God. And even in that eternal picture, you see people's national heritage. The the gospel is a multicultural thing. Um, You can still see different nationalities represented at the throne of God. And that's happening. We see it in our churches in London, intercultural churches that respond to intercultural leadership, the needs of that as well. Jesus is our hope now. We're not waiting for it. It's already happened. The, the, the now and not yet. Let us have hope over what we're going through today. And Jesus is not just for one nation, but for all nations. The story of Joseph It's just incredible, and I would have loved to have been there with Joseph in the prison. But why is it that that inspires us to be there in those darkest places? Because we see the greatest contrast. You know, you see like an action story. You want to be there when the stakes are the highest. So I don't know what you're going through today in your life, Um, your situation. It could be a a health problem. It could be a a problem in the family or work-related relationships. But there is hope in those dark times if we trust in the story that is coming. That Jesus, he doesn't just redeem us. Sometimes he does bleed into our local circumstances as well. And he does change our circumstances. There are side benefits and blessings of being a Christian. But the main point is the hope that we have eternally with Christ. Because he has redeemed us from the grave. He has turned us from darkness to light. I wanted to end with a passage. I thought maybe as the band came up with John, um, I would read out this passage from Ephesians, just to finish. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 to 13. Remember at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Ephesians 2 verse 13. But now Christ has brought you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Have you been brought near by the blood of Christ? Do you know Jesus? There is no other greater message. No other greater hope. Give our doubts to him today. Our strivings, our pride. We don't need to prove ourselves anymore. Jesus has done it. And we can give God control. 
and we can involve, he can involve us in his mission. If you're interested in getting more involved in LCM, uh, you're already giving, so thank you so much for that, and we, we pray that our relationship will continue. Uh, but please pray for us. Each of our missionaries have prayer letters. No doubt you've come across a few. I've got some here on the table outside the back there. Um, and also you can be praying for other projects, not just for me, uh, but also for all of our LCMers. We have a little prayer diary, so you can pray for little stories every single day. Uh, if you want to give personally to missionaries, you can fill in one of these. Um, and this doesn't go towards missionaries. It goes centrally to LCM. But every missionary has to raise 6,500 towards their role. And uh, basically, you fill in that, and then you keep that. And we, we say very much thank you so much for your support in that way. But also go to your community. Uh, share the gospel with your neighbors and share that resurrection hope. Uh, we pray. There are just two or three prayer points we'd love you to pray for. The ministry at LCM. Um, please pray for those that are in our hotels that they ultimately would respond to the gospel and that they can understand who Jesus is. That's the biggest need that we have. Um, and yeah, prayer letters, you can sign up for those if you wish to do so. I'll hand over to the band. I'm just going to pray and just worship the Lord together. Yeah, Jesus, we thank you that you are the hope of the world. And I thank you for our relationship, uh, that we are in mission together with Billy Ricky Baptist Church and London City Mission. Um, I thank you, Lord, for the history of our relationship. But I pray for the future of our relationship as well. And I pray, Lord, that you would establish your kingdom. Lord, as, we, as London City Mission empowers churches by partnering with them, mobilizing churches to cross into new frontiers of mission, I pray, Lord, that we would never start something that you're not in and that you would only ever sustain us in areas of things that you're doing because it is your kingdom you are building. And Jesus said, I'm building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And pray that you protect our relationship as well, we ask in Jesus.